Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Two Black Two Nerdy podcast. I'm your host Chris, and I'm your host Chris. And today uh, we have a wonderful guest uh, with us. We're going to be interviewing him. And let me know if I pronounce your name wrong. Your name is uh, Daniel Jose Older. That's right. Yep. All right. Um, he is a writer. Um, currently writing uh, the Star Wars High Republic um, series. So, um, Chris, do you want to give uh, give any details about our guest, and then um, he can introduce himself? Yeah. So uh, Daniel's a really cool guy. He's uh, done several young adult novels and adult series, and now he's working on. Uh, the High Republic. He's written one of my favorite Star Wars books in Star Wars Last Shot, uh, so you should definitely go pick it up. And uh, he's also a an award winning and New York best New York Times bestselling author. So we're glad he's here and able to join us. Hey, thank you. Thanks a lot for having me, fellas. It's great to be here. All right. Well, we're gonna kick it off uh, with some of our questions. Uh, Chris and I are just gonna alternate uh, asking everything we have listed here. From your childhood, what is one of the what is either the first or one of the first nerdy things you remember being into? So, any shows, uh, movies, books, anything like that? Actually, it's Star Wars. Um, I was three years old when um, Return of the Jedi dropped, and that was the first movie I saw in the movie theater. You know, absolutely uh, changed my life, blew me away, scared the crap out of me. I loved it. I uh, just you know wanted to see it again and again. And then, actually, the next thing I really remember strongly reacting to was the behind the scenes documentary that they put on TV a lot of the Jedi and seeing those guys inside of the hood and you know the different uh, ways that they made the creatures the, the creature shop was really like where it was at for me so um, you know looking back too, I really do like trace a lot of my own aesthetic as a writer and as a Star Wars creator to that opening sequence with Jabba and just you know how brilliant it is um, so that's definitely the beginning Awesome. Uh, I, you know, star, I think I saw Star Wars for the first time around that same age, but it's more of yeah. my brother telling me to sit down and stop being rambunctious and you're going to watch this. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, of course. Off to the races from there. Um, so you've been writing, um, doing your published novels for the past in seven or eight years. Uh, what is it that drove you to being an author? You know, I always loved uh, storytelling. Storytelling is really at the root of everything I do. So even before I was writing books, um, I, I was doing music, um, and, and I was just kind of interested in all different kinds of uh, ways of telling stories. And I think uh, that was most of my 20s I spent kind of trying to figure out what space I would work best in in terms of storytelling. And for a while, it seemed like music, but also on a practical level, it wasn't paying the bills. I was working as a paramedic at the time and I was trying to get off the ambulance and I could tell that, you know, I was bringing in like grant money and getting some uh, pay gigs from different um, artists that I was composing work for, but it wasn't anything that was going to take me anywhere for a very long time. So I made a very practical decision to sit down and write a book, which in comparison to trying to like wrangle musicians to show up is very simple. And it's always it is. Because, you know, and it's also just like the full, like, undistilled version of storytelling is when you get to just sit down and it's you and the blank page. And that really um, appealed to me coming out of being a musician. So that's really what I did. I sat down and started writing. The book was Shatter. Um, it got immediately rejected 40 times over, over the next couple of years mm -hmm. as I was kind of getting my career going. Just got rejected and rejected and rejected until... 
I think I finally started to really get traction. Um, that was 2010, so it was another two years before I was really getting anywhere in terms of publishing because I was writing short stories that whole time too. Those were getting rejected, rejected, rejected. And I think I started when I think my first publication publication was like on someone's Tumblr blog. You know what I mean? Like it was that like from the ground up. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, next level of kind of like small indie press, um, et cetera. And then it kind of got that steam with those over the course of those two years. Um, I ended up collecting all my short stories in a, uh, story, short story collection that came out from a small press in 2012 and around that time Shadow Shaper finally got accepted by Scholastic uh, I got an agent and things started moving but it was a it was a long road to getting anywhere at all <laughs> and then before you know things like moved more but on on that note um, what would you tell to you know aspiring young authors that you know about that long road that long process that generally isn't seen yeah i mean it's it is like it is keep going you know it is also take breaks and and honestly like having a day job which was a day job we worked the graveyard shift um but truly like it gave me a flexibility to take that long like I, i was able to pay my rent while i was writing and that was extremely helpful um and and for my own process like I would work 12 hour days, you know what I mean? So I wasn't going home and writing. So like, that's a lot of the reason I pushed back on the notion that you have to write every single day. I think that's a very harmful concept to force people to adhere to. It's cool if you can do it. And there's times when I write every day, if I'm, you know, in the thick of it on a deadline or whatever, but in general, like, that's not what makes you a writer. You know, that's not what writer I've taken multiple days off for sure, if not months, um, when I was getting started. And now that I'm established, I took all of 2019 away from writing books. I, I was busy, but um, I certainly wasn't working on any new books. I was editing and putting books out and doing other stuff. But I say that to say, like, you know, I'm prolific. And if I can take a year off and still call myself a writer, which I certainly do, I never stop being a writer, right? uh, you too can take months and months off if you need to, um, as long as you come back, right? Like, you, you work the craft, like, learn how to tell stories. And that, that includes a lot of things, like being out in the world in different ways. But then ultimately, I would say, you know, like really find your voice. Like the hardest and the journey of a writer is a journey to find your own voice. And it's a lifelong journey. You know, it doesn't stop. It's not one that has an ending. But it's also the most rewarding when you get somewhere and you're like, oh, this is it. This feels right. This is, you know, mm-hmm. who I need to be on the page right now. Like it's all worth it for that. And and then. To tag on to that, because a lot of people want want to know about writing for Star Wars, one of the great things about writing for Star Wars in particular as an IP is that they value voice. They're not looking for like a cookie cutter, every Star Wars sounds the same type of vibe. And that's what's so cool about Star Wars books. That's also what's so cool about like The Mandalorian is that each director brings their personal personality and their stamp. And then they collectively, the team works together to make sure it feels very Star Wars, right? And that's that's what you find in publishing too on the Star Wars tip. And what they're looking for is writers with a strong voice, you know, who, who know who they are and know how to tell a story with that voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, yeah, that's definitely all really great, amazing advice. Um, so you kind of you kind of mentioned it earlier about how did you get involved with the Star Wars franchise uh, specifically? With Star Wars. um the first Star Wars writer I met was Delilah Dawson. Uh, we were sitting at tables next to each other at a, a conference in Vancouver. Uh, she's just really cool people too. She's really, really nice. She wrote the Phasma book and she wrote the um, the Black Spire book. 
Uh, she's super cool. Um, at that point, she had just put out a novella in Star Wars, and it just hadn't even occurred to me that like regular people could write Star Wars. I don't know. Like, like coming up, I'm sure you fellas remember like when we were younger, like IP, right, intellectual property, like writing in like other people's universes. Like, it wasn't something that you thought of as like a place you could have a voice like you could like tell your stories in, a, in an interesting way with a lot of different voices there was great storytelling happening in those spaces but it, as a career move it never it never uh, like occurred to me as something that i could because i i'm very like based in my voice right doesn't mean I, I can't switch around but i'm not particularly interested in like writing in a generic format or a generic voice um of course that's not true anymore and some would probably argue that was never true that was just my impression of ip back then as a young person so I just I just didn't think about doing it. And then I was like, wow, Delilah is like a great writer, a great person, has a really strong voice and loves writing for Star Wars. Um, Chuck's books had just come out. Well, had come out prior to that. And, you know, he has a really strong and interesting voice and way of writing and edginess and stuff. And I was like, I could really get down with that. So and I've always loved Star Wars. I'm a lifelong Star Wars fan, as I've just said. So I think I let my agent know, you know, if they're doing anything, like just put my name up, like just let them know, you know, poke mm -hmm. them or whatever. And I, from my understanding, a couple other people kind of slipped my name to them. and were like, this is a writer you might want to check out. At that point, I had uh, like two or three books out. Um, so, you know, I had an established name to some extent, famous, I think. Um, but I had books behind me, I had my name that someone could read and be like, oh, this dude knows how to write. So they asked me to write a short story for the Certain Point of View anthology, which I think is kind of one way that they kind of like scout talent in a certain way. Um, and that's a charitable anthology. And it's, you know, it's different characters from each movie. The 40th anniversary comes up. So we just did the Empire Strikes Back one. Uh, but that at the time was New Hope. It was the first time they were doing it. And I was like, yes, you know, sign me up. Like that was my end. And I knew that was my end. And so I, you know, I wrote the story actually about a character named Sardis Ramson who just um, turned up in Marvel Comics for the first time yesterday uh, because my issue of uh, Foreign Lama Zuckus came out. So that was kind of my way of bringing that character around into the uh, comics world, which was really fun. Uh, so yeah, I wrote this story about a guy that loves do-backs because as a kid, I did love do-backs and um, I, I was really fascinated with that part of the lore. So I was just like, great, you know, that's a, he's a stormtrooper and he basically like loses his mind entirely and runs off on a do-back on Tatooine when they're looking for the droids and, uh, and Luke. And, um, and you know, that just, uh, I just did what I could do. I just, you know, told the story the best way I knew how and stayed true to my voice. And they liked it enough to be like, oh, we have, I, I was also like, you know, let them know they have trouble come down. I would like to read that too, just by the way. So they did. A couple months later, they were like, hey, we have this. I remember the email. I just saw the word Lando in it. <laughs> and I was like, yes yes you're damn right i want to write that book thank god for agents because i probably would have done it for free and like a short story for free is one thing but you shouldn't be writing no books for free that's not how this works um fortunately they didn't ask me to do that and fortunately i had an agent to give me a good deal on it but oh man let me tell you <laughs> uh yeah i did i did see that um your first marvel comic did come out i haven't been able to get it yet but congratulations on that. Thank you. I'm very proud of it. It came Congrats. out really great. Thanks, man. Thanks. Well, speaking of Lando, um, so, so yeah, so for those that don't know, Star Wars Last Shot is a Han and Lando uh, novel um, taking place in different time periods. I won't go too much into detail, but you should absolutely read it. Um, but for you going from writing, um, telling your own stories, how does it 
feel or how do you approach writing for characters like Han and Lando that have been established for a number of decades or versus you characters know. like that you write for in the High Republic? Right, right. No, it's very different. Um, in some ways, I don't think easier or harder is the right marker, but it's it's a different kind of challenge, I'll say that. Um, but what's good about writing known characters and icons like that, first of all, they have lived in my head since I was three. I mean, I had the action figures, you know what I mean? So I've been making up stories about these dudes my entire life. They've been living <laughs> in my head. Rent-free, as the kids say. And so, you know... Um, on that level, I didn't know what it was going to be like when I took the job. I was like, well, we're going to find out. <laughs> and I remember sitting in this coffee shop in Boulder, Colorado. I was teaching at an MFA program at the time. And uh, just like a low residency, so it was a short-term period I was there. And I was on deadline. So I was like, let me hold up in this coffee shop and get some done, you know, as you do. And the first time I was like, let me find out if this is going to work it out at all. And, but first of all, there's always that moment for every, I think every Star Wars ha writer has this moment. When you first write the name of an iconic character and you're like, it's canon, baby. There's <laughs> 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 nothing like that, man. It's nothing like that. So that, that happened. But also, like, what I found out really quickly was that it felt very natural to write these fellas. Like, it wasn't... Um, it wasn't the it wasn't a stretch. It was very right there. And one of the one of the great things is that you have their voices to kind of bounce it off, right? Because they're kind of iconic, they are iconic. And because they've been so perfectly acted by these legends, you know, the check was easy. It was just can I hear the can I hear William December Williams saying these words in my head? Like does that is that a line that I could hear him say? Or is that a line that he would be like, oh, Lena wouldn't say that, man? You know? <laughs> like like that's a that's it's literally that straightforward. So there's a check, right? Uh, on the other hand, when you're writing OCs, like you you gotta you you decide that you know better than anybody, and that's kind of cool, but it's also a little bit intimidating because like, what if you get your own characters wrong? You know what I mean? Like, right. You better get them right. That's your people, so you you know you have to trust yourself. And uh, segueing off that question, I don't know if you can answer this. Is there any character in Star Wars that you haven't written for that you would like to write for in the future? Mm hmm. I don't know. I always get asked this question. I always blank as soon as I get asked it. But it's not because there aren't. They don't exist. I just literally. Part of the reason too is I I, I finally realized this. Like writing the High Republic is so like dream come true type work. You know, like it's like there's so much more freedom in the High Republic as a writer than there is right in any other time period. And the constraints can be cool too. And there's something about, you know, like like I'm really happy I had the opportunity to write Last Shot and I would definitely, you know, and Four Lama Zuckers take place in the original trilogy time period. Um, but there's something about having the freedom to just like, first of all, have Jedi that aren't about to get murdered in Order 66 type of thing that is very just like incredible. So. You know, like the answer honestly would have been like I would have written in a time period in which I could be as playful as I've been able to be and invent all these Jedi and like really get to like lean deep into the lore and the philosophies of the order, which we do quite a bit, uh, in the, particularly in the material coming up. Um, but in terms of like, I, I do really love Poe. Um, I've never written Poe. I think I would have a really good time writing Poe. I don't know if he's on my bucket list per se. I just, I know I would really enjoy it. I will also say that like just, uh, the Four Lamazuckas thing was great for me because I do also really love, because of my origin story being Return of the Jedi, and specifically the Jabba scene, like, anything in the criminal underworld is my happy place in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Like, I just enjoy it. Because I'm a big 
the gangster and noir fan anyways. Also, right in Trail of Shadows, the upcoming Marvel series, that's another like just easy, happy place for me. I'm just like, oh, noir and Star Wars, that's home. You know, <laughs> like that's home. Yeah, I, I can tell that y'all are having fun with the Nihil and the and the High Republic series. Um, I mean, oh, I, definitely. I, I also have to, you know, just 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 show these off because they're they're right here. Hey, yes, yeah, they they really do a good job with them. They're pretty as hell. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, but but going back to the the High Republic, and you're on a team, so you're one of the architects for it. Um, how does it feel writing with a team, you know, in this interconnected universe across different mediums, you know, comics and novels? It's really fun because there's a kind of a, I don't know, I, I think I always say that like writing is always teamwork no matter what under normal circumstances. It's just the where and the process it comes in. Generally, you know, the writing itself, you're doing all by yourself for the most part. And then like when it's all done, it, it'll be read over by an editor and an agent and other people and then like further down the road from that um the production team comes on board and figures out all this so um it's a very it's a much more spread out kind of teamwork um whereas with the higher public like we've been planning for years we'll be planning for years and each book like the great part about it is like each book really does get to be our own again the voice piece you know like we really are telling these stories like race to crash point tower I knew where it would take place in the timeline, and I, I, you know, to that to that extent, like I, I had a certain kind of assignment that I had to understand. Um, but you know, like everything else in it was basically just me being like, "Well, what's going to be fun in this moment? Uh, it's going to be fun to have a, a a Padawan that's really about the mechanics, um, not about the pomp and circumstance, and it's going to be fun to put him into the thick of things. Suddenly having to realize like just how big the galaxy really is and how." you know, dangerous things have really gotten very suddenly in in the galaxy. Um, and so that, that arc just immediately became very clear to me as like what it was going to be. And then it was a matter of like, you know, fitting it into all the other pieces that were happening around the same time, specifically the rising storm, um, you know, most obviously, but also the larger moment of the galactic history that we were playing with. So, but it's really fun. Like, you know, we just regularly be jumping on the slack and, and we have, uh, regular meetings. We have one today. In fact, that was like we were tweeting about it because it was just really fun. Sometimes they're always fun, but sometimes they just really get hype. And you know, we were just having a good old time. So it's like it's a it's a very especially in in a time of um, quarantine, you mm-hmm. know, and COVID and so much isolation. It's really been just so fulfilling to have a team. And and let let me not uh, forget that, or <laughs> let me make sure I mention that Michael Siglain is really a part of that team. He's not one of the writers, but he is the head of um, Star Wars Publishing, and he's an editor. He edits all the books. He works on all the books on the editorial capacity, and he's really like the brains behind the whole operation. So, you know, shout out to him. Yeah, I know. Uh, having read, you know, Light of the Jedi and The Rising Storm, Race to Crash Point Tower, and now I'm making my way through Out of the Shadows. I'm like two thirds of the way done with that. Oh, cool, I cool, can, cool. I can definitely tell like the differences in writing style. Oh, yeah, and, definitely. Um, just th- hearing the different voices of the different authors, like you, Kevin Scott, Justin Ireland. Totally. Um, and I, I know I, I can't be uh, uh, remiss if I didn't ask this, but how did it feel to write for Ty York? That's that's my favorite High Republic character. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she was great. As soon as um, I realized our books would cross paths, I was like, the scene with Ty. Like, you know, I definitely, <laughs> like, that wasn't a mistake that that happened. I will also say that on Saturday, 
Uh, no, on next Saturday, I guess then, the 14th. No, wait, when is it? When's Free Comic Book Day? It's the 14th. Um, yeah. On Free Comic Book Day, there's a High Republic Adventures comic coming out for free that is really a follow-up to Race to Crash Point Tower, and Ty is in it being every bit as badass as you would hope Ty would be. It's a, it's a, there's one two-page spread in there that I'm so proud of. I, mind you, I didn't draw it. You know what I mean? I'm just proud that I got to help bring it into the world because it's so cool. But um, definitely pick that up if you're a Ty York fan. Yeah, and her, the um, temp, Monster at Temple Peak comes out next week as well. Yes, so there's a lot of Thai action. In the, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, so uh, the High Republic has done a terrific job creating diverse and lovable characters. How important is it to you to see yourself and other diverse communities uh, represented in a galaxy far, far away? I mean, to me, it's just basic, like, it's about telling the truth, you know what I mean? Like, um, Star Wars is always any fantasy, really, you know. Uh, it, it's always, its first job is to tell the truth, even though, yes, it's about another world, it's about another galaxy. Yes, there's aliens, yes, there's magic, um, yes, there's spaceships, but also there's still a job to tell the truth. And there's different kinds of truths, right? There's emotional truths, um, there's historical truths, there's societal truths, and Star Wars has always done a really good job at telling a lot of different truths. That's why it's so successful, um, because we see ourselves in it. It hasn't always done a really good job of representing like the fullness of humanity, um, and that's just the truth, you know. So I, I do think like it's done a much better job more recently, and I think it's always growing and learning and listening to itself and listening to the fans, and that's all we can really ask. Um, so I know my job as a Star Wars writer is to try to make it tell the truth as much as possible because that's the writer's job, um, and the truth is. There's a lot of different kinds of people in the world, <laughs> not just white people, so and and not just straight people, you know. And so it, it just seems like that's just a very basic tenet of storytelling. Like, why wouldn't I? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and I, I I'll never really under there'll never be a good answer to why not do it to do that. Um, that's not racist or transphobic. There's, ne- there's never going to be a way to explain like, oh no, there shouldn't be black people in in the galaxy far far. Well, why? Like, really, why? Like, mm-hmm. please, explain it to me. Actually, don't, because I've heard the ball, and they're all terrible. And they're all just different ways of trying to worm out of how racist they really are. So, like, right. I'm not interested. You know, and the, the same is true of, of different gender identities and different sexual orientations. Like, those are things that people are. Um, that's not really up for debate. And, but somehow people want to make it a debate. And what you're really debated, debating is other people's humanity. And that's something mm-hmm. I won't do. I'm not going to debate people's humanity, because that's a given. So... From that point of view, like it's just obvious. I'm just here to tell the truth. It's a good answer. <laughs> I love that answer. Like that's just going to be, you know, the, that's the highlight of the podcast right there. <laughs> Soundbite right. put on Twitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Light them up. So th- this one is fun. This was a question that I had uh, when you all did your your panel last month. Um, yeah. Or at the end of June, I think. Um, the Comic Con one? Uh, no, not the Comic Con one. Uh, the okay. one for Barnes and Noble. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you could write for one other medium, uh, what would it be? So movies, TV shows, video games, Ooh. and then I mean, as a, as yeah, a follow up, what character from the High Republic, if you want to do it separately, would you want to bring into another? Medium? Oh, okay, separately. Uh, first of all, I, 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 it's a boring answer, but truly all of the above. I would love. I've, I've really been enjoying writing scripts. Um, for the comics, so 
you know, just taking that into other directions would be a lot of fun. I'd love to see uh, more animation of the High Republic for sure, and just you know, in general. Um, but in t- I, I really have this clear vision. Did y'all ever play uh, Metal Slug? Yeah. Yeah. I love that game. That game is so addictive. Uh, I used to play it in the arcades, and come to find out, they have all of them on Switch. So. There was a period a couple oh. months ago where that's all I was doing, <laughs> like in my in my downtime, when I had a minute, I would just be playing Metal Slug like over and over. It's so good. It's it's a it's a terrible game in some ways too. <laughs> like it's not one that I would really politically get behind, but it's a lot of fun. Um, and wow, uh, I would love to see like a Metal Slug, you know, run and gun style type game with Ram and Lula, you know, riding V eighteen through the Republic Fair. You know, fighting off Nile, like beating back blaster bolts, you know, like saving bomb bracks. That would just be so cool. Like, I could just see it. It's like, and like real simple, doesn't have to be like, not, I'm not talking open world or nothing. I'm talking side scroll, no Mm -hmm. big story except just like adventure and fun and maybe riding the sand ball occasionally and uh, just having a great time. I could see it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now that you said it's on the Switch, I know what. I might be getting uh, sometime this weekend. <laughs> this weekend, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. There's like yeah. four of them or five of them. It's great. See, I, I want a Fall in Order type game with Ty York. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I was just like, that, that would just be great. You know, oh, I've been tweeting at, you know, Star Wars at, at EA. I'm just like, help me out here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other thing not to sleep on is the the VR stuff they're doing that ILM is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Vader's Castle and the one from Galaxy's Edge, it's really cool stuff that they got going on over there. Yeah, I know. Uh, Disney is is doing some good things with Star Wars. They released. I don't know if I sent this to uh, you, Chris, yesterday. They released like their sample pricing for the hotel, the experience. Woo! I did not. Itinerary. How bad is it? Uh, it's bad. Yeah, the I think for two guests. Uh, for because you have to do it for like the whole experience, so it's two nights, right? Two it nights. was forty eight hundred for two people. It's tuition. Yeah, it's it's a liberal arts college tuition. I'm not saying I'm not doing it, but <laughs> exactly. If, I know. If, like, if you can lower the price a little bit, a little I gotta start a uh, start a GoFundMe for it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it also opens allegedly around my birthday next year, so it's just gonna be you know. Happy oh really? When's it? Did they say when it opens? The the um pri- or the schedule on it said I think like uh August thirteenth through like September eighteenth, twenty twenty two or something like that. Oh really? That late? Wow. Okay. Cool. I think they're trying to make like an extra safe precaution for like let's hope COVID's over by then. Smart. Yeah. Well, get vaccinated, maybe it'll happen. Right. <laughs> Uh, so this this is just our last uh, question that we have. Um, yeah, you, you kind of touched on this earlier. Uh, what advice would you have for aspiring writers of color, young writers of mm-hmm. color, as far as uh, I mean, you kind of you gave some practical advice earlier, but as far as like motivation and things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, it is about staying in it. You know, as I said, I got rejected forty times. I still get rejected. I feel like people don't really realize that. You know, professional authors get rejected. It's it's really part of the game. And it's not a bad thing. The bad thing is when you let it beat you down and if you let it tamper your voice and turn it into something that it's not, you know what I mean? Like as much as I got rejected, I never watered down what I was trying to say. Uh, Shadow Shaper, my first young adult novel is, in fact, both of my first books, Shadow Shaper and Half Resurrection Blues, which came out before it was for adults, 
they're both very honest about gentrification, <laughs> racism, um, sexism, you know, all that stuff. They're also like fun adventure books with monsters and, and mayhem. You know what I mean? You don't have to do one or the other. And I think Octavia Butler really um, led, the, led the charge on that. Um, more so than anyone else that comes to mind immediately. She was really a guiding light for science fiction to really deal with like also like deep power and and privilege and the, just the concepts of history that we that we all walk with um, without without get putting it in the way of story like you you can do both and I think people will always there will always be people that tell you you can't and that you're preaching the second that you tell your own truth and, and not in a good way preaching right <laughs> or that you're just um, you just you oh you have a political message as if the 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 white power people that have been <laughs> spewing out white power crap at us in sci-fi for the past century or two. It didn't have a political message. <laughs> that stuff is very political. Um, and, and, you know, we need to recognize it as such. Some of it is still worth salvaging and finding the good parts of, but we have to be honest that there's white supremacist shit and deeply embedded in our fantasy and sci-fi. What are we going to do about it is another question, but the one thing that we can't do is ignore it because that's right. the one thing we've been doing all this time and that's how we ended up in this mess. So, you know, I think it's about being honest, like figuring out ways to tell a great story and also tell deeper truths about the things that you need to talk about, not shying away from your authentic self and your authentic voice. And, and I was learning, like I, I love learning and I love like challenging myself and figuring out ways to become a better writer and tell better stories and, and learning from other writers and being like, oh man, what did, how did they make this book work? You know, just like be curious, like just put yourself out there, both when you're reading, when you're watching things, when you're playing video games, like, but also when you're out in the world, you know, like great writers, I think, come from living their life fully, not from just what they read. And obviously it's important to read. Um, but I think sometimes the message gets a little skewed towards just like, you have to read a lot so you can be a great writer. You do, but not at the cost of being alive. You gotta live your life. You gotta be out there, you know, like experiencing love, experiencing disappointment, experiencing all the challenges of what it means to live in this world, because that's ultimately what you're really writing about, whether it's taking place in a galaxy far, far away, or, you know, right here in New Orleans, Louisiana, you're still writing about the world that we live in and the emotions that we feel and the, the people that we are and the journeys we go on, you know? So that's what you have to, that's your, that's your school is this life. Yeah. And I know, you know, especially being uh, on TikTok and, you know, in, in the, depending on where in the Star Wars TikTok community you fall into or your video ends up on, you know, you right. deal with, oh, like, oh, well, why are you making this so political? And it's just like, well, <laughs> if world history didn't make my identity political, then I exactly. would have to bring politics into it. But here we are. It's not me here you want to blame. It's your also, what, what, what more political statement than why are you making this so political? <laughs> that's the, that's right. the most political thing you can actually ever say to somebody. So if you're worried about things being political, shut up and listen. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. And someone on, I can't never remember if it was Twitter or where, but someone smart on social media was once like, if you take out the politics from Star Wars, all you will have is stars. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it, man. You don't get to have war without politics. War is politics. Politics mm -hmm. is war. Congratulations. You know, you love politics if you love Star Wars. Also, not for nothing, but it's it's not just like, underneath the surface of Star Wars, they literally have entire plot points about trade deals and embargoes and like 
who profits from war. Like it's explicitly political on multiple levels. There's no way around it. So, you know, you lost the fight before you even start a fight. Right. You know, Tarkin says in A New Hope in like what the first like 15, 20 minutes, the emperor just disbanded the Galactic Senate. Like The Galactic Senate. Right. They exist. Like politics. Welcome to politics. Hello. Good right. <laughs> Uh, well, I just want to say thank you for coming on, Daniel. This has been great. No doubt. Absolutely. Uh, it's been amazing. Yeah, definitely enjoy, you know, interacting with you on uh, TikTok. And I, sure. I, I just started really interacting with people again on, on Twitter, at least in the Star Wars community. So, Oh, you know, cool. Yeah. I feel like I've been uh, I've been absent from TikTok because I've been so busy and, like, it takes a little minute to make a video, but I miss it. Like, I'm like, shoot, I got to get back over there because it's really, like, my – the most fun social media, I think. Um, t- t- Twitter's just, I've been on it for so long and I, it's, it is like faster. So I just kind of, mm. it's like my, um, you know, automatic go-to, but TikTok is more fun. Do you have you any- you find uh, me on? T- oh, go ahead, Chris. Sorry, I was going to say, uh, do you have any upcoming projects that you're able to talk about oh. or that you want to tease? And then um, yes, thank if you people want to follow you or learn more about you, uh, I mean, you, you look at TikTok and Twitter, uh, where should they go? I appreciate that because I do be forgetting. Um, <laughs> on Twitter, I'm at DJ Older. On and there are another off supposed to be the same, and they're not. On Instagram, I'm at Daniel Jose One. TikTok is at Daniel Jose Older, um, which brings me to my website, which is DanielJoseOlder.net. On there, you can find all my books um, and links to buy them. Uh, you can find my blog. I kept a blog for the duration of my uh, paramedic years, so it's a lot of, and that's honestly a lot of place where I learned to write. You know, just. I like writing what was going on on the ambulance during that period. Also, um, speaking of learning to write, I have a bunch of classes up um, um, posted on uh, websites. Knowable is one of them. They do audio classes. Uh, There's another called Skillshare, where I have some video classes about writing and the craft of writing, narrative uh, fundamentals and stuff like that. So if you're interested in those, uh, check them out. Again, they're on my website, danieljoseholder.net. I got comics coming, like tons of them. <laughs> There's a couple coming this week. I write the ongoing High Republic Adventure series from IDW, which happens, which comes out every month. It's due this month because of Free Comic Book Day. Um, I have a Marvel mini series in the High Republic era coming out starting October. That is called Trail of Shadows. Books. Midnight Horizon was just announced. That's a young adult novel that is part of Wave Three of Phase One of High Republic. Um, very excited about it. Can't say a word about it, but it's dope. <laughs> uh, but in my own stuff, I have a novel coming out in May that's called Ballad and Dagger that is a really wild urban fantasy set in Brooklyn um, featuring a community of people from an island in the Caribbean that sank uh, where a bunch of different cultures kind of settled for a period of time and brought all of their demons and gods and then ended up in Brooklyn when the island sank and brought all of their demons and gods there. And it's all kinds of chaos, music, love, death, everything else that you would want in an urban fantasy novel. And again, that comes out in um, May. It's called Battle of the Dagger. You've been working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what I do, man. Just doing my job. Oh, man. Yeah. Cool. Oh, thanks, fellas. It was great talking to you. Yeah, it was great having you here. Uh, Chris, you want to you wanna send us home? Send us out. All right. <laughs> All right, well, um, thank you, Daniel, again. It's been a really uh, great time. Really enjoyed to interview you and ask you questions. Uh, thanks, Chris, for being the co-host and setting this up and, you know, being the networker. And um, 
Yeah, until next time, uh, live long and prosper. It's a joke. May the force be with you. It's a joke. <laughs> you get going, you pirate. <laughs>